You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Just because the academic year is winding down, the athletic year is winding down, it doesn't mean Hawk Talk slows down, Greg. I mean, we're not going away. This 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 army, this, this train just keeps on rolling. Gotta give the people what they need. And what they need is more Hawk Talk. And what they need... <laughs> what they is, want is what I meant, but I, in my mind, it's what they need. <laughs> I think those are both... Those can be kind of... Might be uh, what I one need. Of the same. It's what I need. Yeah. Can we just let the people know that we mainly just do this so we can kind of come together at least once a week with our crazy schedules and at least catch ourselves talking for 30 minutes? That's why we do it. Seriously. Seriously. We're in this weird time now, though, that where it's, it's you know, hard to, to book alumni guests because people are busy and stuff and uh our students really are not on campus now um but we have a great guest lined up today and it's not even so much a, it's a guest yeah, but it's, it's also a guest it is because i guess he hosts you know and, and co-hosts another podcast property that the mama digital network has but uh you know we see this guy every day but greg and i are so happy to bring in and have joined us today for this most recent edition of Hawk Talk, our good friend Gary Kotwal, Associate Athletics Director in the Communications and New Media Office. And um, it's weird to welcome someone you see so often, but Gary, how you doing? What's up, guys? I'm extremely excited to be welcomed into Hawk Talk. Love having Gary on. Now, I produce the podcast that Gary does with Coach King Rice, the King and Badger Show. So I don't really have a voice, even though sometimes Coach Rice will talk to me like I'm uh, like I'm like a producer on like the Carton Show. Right. Like he says, you know, like you're on the other side of the glass, but you're not. You're in the room with him. I love a good other side of the glass reference. Yeah. Other side of the glass. Yeah. There's no glass here. I mean, there's glass. I just look at the woods behind the office. Should we get Gary go stand outside just for for (laughs) ambiance? No, it's good. We're good. We're good. (laughs) Well, you know, as this year winds down and as, um, you know, there's obviously still some, some competition going on. Uh, you know, Gary in, in one of the sports that he covers, right, obviously for, um, you know, for the department, you know, is, is going on. And, and we're going to get to a little baseball a little bit later on. But, you know, Gary, you kind of sit back and, and you kind of look back at the athletic year, which for you and us is still ongoing. Um, you know, and I know we're going to have some time to reflect, but, you know, it's been a, a probably as busy a year as we've all had. But also it's been a pretty good year to look back and say, you know what, there's been some really good things done both on the field, but also off the field with some of the great work that you and the rest of the communications and external affairs and athletic department personnel uh, have been able to do this year. I think the biggest thing about this year, looking back on it, is that we were able to do it again. I know that's probably like a common thing, but when you really think about it, we lost the spring of 2020. Last year was kind of just, let's get in as many games as we can amongst <laughs> COVID pauses and nonsense and the, the weather. Spring, and the spring was nonsense. The spring was ridiculous. So it, it felt really nice I know we had one COVID pause in the middle of, of basketball season, but it felt pretty good to be able to just be back around student-athletes and be back at games and travel again and have less restrictions and, and kind of get back to what we got into this for, which is being around the kids, being around student-athletes, being at athletic events, being around each other without as much thought uh, you know, as we did a couple years ago as to what else was going on in the world. It felt nice to get back to some normalcy, I think. Is it just me or did like, 
in a weird way, these last two years really just kind of like fly by. It was almost like, oh, hey, we just won this championship and we're heading into basketball season and football and then we're heading into basketball season and then all of a sudden we play some basketball games and then we're down in Atlantic City and they cancel the tournament and then boom, fast forward to like the spring where we had a thousand, like it just feel like, I don't know, like I feel like it's, it's been like slow and fast. Yeah. Slow living it, but fast when you look back on it. Like, what did we actually do these last two years? Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of I Xbox. think. Yeah, I, I think your point. Yeah, I played a lot of college football uh, back in the original pause. But it, Greg, I think you're so right. If you think about it, we've there were three, and, and let's use one sport. Let's use basketball, right? Men's basketball is another, and, and women's basketball, right? We had three tournaments in quotes during COVID one was canceled. One was no fans, limited fans. One was this past year. So think about that. Like I almost lump all these years into one athletics year. And for some of these student athletes, it was like the difference from freshman to junior year. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy how now we sit here at the end of the 2022 academic year. And like, like you said, we played how many, fo- we played, you know, how many football seasons in that span? We played how many kind of truncated condensed seasons. Um, but it, it's remarkable the amount of, output that the work in the department has been the coaches the student athletes um i know they're you know with graduation season upon us there's some really impressive academic numbers that are going on it is pretty crazy to reflect on which this is the time of year that guys and and, you know individuals like us can do that and to think back and be like wow we we did a lot we got to cover a lot be a part of a lot and now you can kind of take that exhale i think when you talk about how fast it's gone too like you don't really realize it because we're so in it every day, but like I've talked to some of the baseball guys and they're like, Oh no. Yeah. This is the first time I've been able to like take a road trip and I'm a junior. Like this is the first time I've been on a bus trip. This is the first time I've been on a flight and I'm about to be entering my senior year in a couple of weeks. Like that's really crazy to think about. Like these kids haven't experienced that last year. Baseball. I don't know how many people know this. Like they were taking two buses to games to social distance and spread out. Like, that's not a normal scenario. So it's the first time you've been able to really be with your team on a bus, camaraderie, travel, like, and you're a junior. You're three years into your college career. Obviously, not all those years have counted eligibility-wise, but you've been here for three years, and it's the first time you're doing it. That That's the other thing, if we can segue a little bit. The, the eligibility now is, like, so screwed up. Good luck. <laughs> like, like we literally, uh, our compliance director before he just recently left, but before he did, he came up with this wild color coded chart for coach Callahan in the, you know, uh, for football of who had five years left, who had four, who had three, who had two, who had six, who had one left after they had played five. It's like, I, I don't know, having a real devil of a time trying to identify and like, you know. Gary's job and my job specifically just for football, but letting these, letting the media and announcers and the PA guys like know what, how many years some people have left is like, and I'm sure Eddie, for you as a broadcaster, it's like, I don't know how many, how many years this guy's got left. Like I, I literally have to go on people's bios and count up how many times they've played to be like, okay, oh wait, but they played during COVID. So that year doesn't count. Yeah. We, we kind of switched, or at least I switched how, you know, not to bring people too far down the rabbit hole, but, but, you know, for every game, I do these kind of detailed charts with all the biographical information. And I stopped putting freshman, sophomore, you know, years. I just started putting years of eligibility remaining because 
that's more how you think of it. But Greg, like you said, you know, that was unique to a lot of different players. It was, you know, and after a while, like we asked coaches on these interviews, oh, you know, who were the, we stopped using, I stopped using um, actual years. I said, who were the young players? Who were the veterans? And because like you said, everything got so jumbled. Like Gary just said, you got, you know, juniors in college who are going on road trips for the first time. You have transfers that have come in. And, and I think this year, maybe that's one of the most underrated stories of this department is some of the real impact graduate and transfers that have come in here and had really great years as veterans, right? I mean, Gary's in the room right now. So you look to Walker Miller and Shavar Reynolds. You know, Greg, we can look to Cassidy Orban and Mary Kate George on the lacrosse, on the women's lacrosse team. There's been really, I think that's kind of an underrated story that the majority of those student athletes that have come in here have really had great years, not to get too far off the original topic. But I think as you think back and you look at this in the totality, that's a really kind of interesting part that it's affected every piece of college athletics. Like you said, compliance, communications, announcing and broadcasting. Um, it affects young Drew when he's trying to make graphics, right? It's yeah. crazy how, how it kind of reverberates. He struggles enough to get things spelled right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Drew, I'm kidding. Wow. If, you, if you hear this, he knows, he knows he, he has people triple and quad check, but Eddie, I thought you brought up a really good point um, that the transfer portal <clears throat> excuse me from our point of view from from a mid-major school point of view you see a lot of complaining right because let's let's just get it out there it's cherry picking right uh-huh. mid-major coaches go out do a great job identifying talent making this talent good you know getting them nutrition getting them uh, on a weight cycle teaching them the fundamentals of playing a college game and i'm talking about every sport from basketball to to soccer and then the high majors or the power fives who have the resources just come and say, hey, uh, you've been you've been a, an all Mac performer. Uh, why don't you come play here? Like, look at the league we play in. Look at look at the look at the sky's the limit here and, and look at uh, cost of living that we can give you and, and everything else. And then they go. So. So, yeah, there's a, a healthy point of the population that's like, yeah, like this. This is really bad for mid-majors. It's basically become a minor league for the Power Five. However, the other side of the coin, and we have some coaches who have absolutely done an excellent job with it. If, yep. you, if you can identify kids, player, I call them kids. Dr. McNeil used to hate when we refer to student-athletes as kids because they're all 18 for the most part when they come here, so they're no longer kids. But if you can identify student-athletes that – are at a high major and maybe not getting the playing time that they deserve, but you know that at this level they can make your team better and get them, you are going to have a lot of success. And you and we saw that in women's across. We saw that in, in men's basketball. And I think the best coaches at this level are going to be the ones who I can identify and can sell their programs on getting those kids in here. Uh, football too. I don't want to hold them out. Eddie Hahn, guys Eddie like Hahn that. Is a big one. I was thinking of him. I think it's so. Well, him and it, yeah. Go ahead, Eddie. No, no, Gary. And, and, and sorry to cut you off, but you know, I think we we and I'm guilty of this all the time. You know, mentioning Walker and Shavar, but I think you have to make the basketball conversation a three person conversation, and I think we all would agree with what Stella Clark meant for the women's team. Oh yeah. And and a similar thing, and, and I just wanted to get that out there too, and that also added a whole new element because it brought a whole new coaching staff closer to this local community. So the stories and, and Gary, again, so, you know, sorry for cutting you off. Please, please continue, you know, from my point, but add that to the success story count as well. Yeah. And, and it hasn't really happened at Monmouth per se, but 
I think it's an important lesson to some of these kids. We've seen it across our league, and we're pretty tied into, um, you know, the MAC and now the CAA as far as what goes on with those student athletes at those other schools. But a lot of people have learned the learned the grass isn't always greener. I think that's been a huge. Sure. I mean, you look at it. You know, you look at a kid goes from St. Peter's to Oregon, and then comes back to Hofstra and is the the player of the year in the league. Like that's the level he probably belonged at the whole time, and you get high major coaches that think, well, this kid could be my 13th or 14th guy because what do I care? Right. Um, right. Do you want to bring on a kid from from high school that you don't know what you're getting and have to develop a 13th or 14th guy? Or do you want to come and grab a dude who's already been in a good program under a good coach and and have him be your 13th and 14th guy? And then a kid sees that and says, well, I don't want to be the 14th guy because I used to be the first to the second guy. All right. And then you come back to, you know, we saw a couple guys in our league this year who left as grad transfers and then came back to their original school for, for their COVID year. We saw that at Ryder. That's that's a thing that has happened that I think is just a, a warning sign to, you know, there's been some people that have gone on to Power Fives and done a really nice job, but there's also the other side of it where you might be better off, you know, Look at George Pappas. George went in the portal, decided not to leave, and just had a monster year in his in his final season. First team, all conference. Like, who knows what he could have done in a power five? You'll never know that answer. But I think the lesson is that sometimes good, sometimes bad, but not always necessarily the best option is to jump. Right. And sometimes the best answer for and each story is so different. And then you have to get into the we all see this because we're so closely, you know, linked to our teams, but it's the off the field, off the court, um, you know, meshing of these personalities. You know, now you have someone who's coming into a program who maybe, you know, let's use men's basketball here as an example. You know, look at George who came back. Look at Marcus McClary. Look at those veterans that, that were around the program. They welcomed Walker Miller and Shavar Reynolds in, you know, the, those women's basketball players that we met, you know, Lucy Thomas got to play in Jen Laura with Stella Clark. And I, I think the culture fit and coaches say culture all the time. And I was guilty of this for a long time. You, you don't eye roll, but you're like, I get it. I get it. But then when you, you know, you work closely with a, a team, a program and a league, you see that matters more than anything. Quite frankly, George Pappas came back, had one of the best years in Monmouth history and his skill set would have translated better than some of the bigger, stronger, faster players that left the Mac because George is a shooter. George could go knock down eight threes a game, whether he's playing in the Mac or whether he's playing in the ACC, because shooting is a skill that doesn't matter how big you are. You know, So it shows maturity for them to come back. And quite frankly, it shows a willingness on the coaching staff to, to let your student-athletes go and make the best decision for them. You know, When some players and student-athletes leave, and I feel like we make this very transactional now, I feel like a lot of the conversation, not us, but in college athletics, speaks about these student athletes more like um, like almost free agents, which is, you know, kind of an inherent, you know, byproduct of the portal. But, you know, using Coach Rice as an example to let George go explore the best thing for him and then welcoming him back. I mean, it's it's nothing but a success success story. Not to go too far here, but guys, I, I couldn't agree. I mean, we've seen this. Um, we've seen student athletes we really like leave. We've seen student athletes we really like stay and more of them have stayed. So it's definitely, Greg, to your original point, going to work itself out over a lot. But we're still seeing movement. I mean, just you go on Twitter, there's players that were in this league five, six years ago, and you're still seeing them transfer around. I mean, Gary, a guy that Mammoth played up at Albany years ago, I think he's on his fourth college. I just saw he transferred the other day. I was like, what is going – it's crazy. And, you know, at a certain point, you know, hopefully these student-athletes go and 
hope I hope they're getting at least one degree, maybe two out of this because they're going to be in college for so long. Well, yeah, and and I think most colleges that are worth their salt after a certain amount of time, certain amount of credits, they no longer start to take credits. You know, because you got to have a, a certain amount of your degree from that school. So I, I don't know. I mean, listen, when, if somebody transfers four times, and I don't know who you're talking about, but if somebody transfers four times, we can honestly say that it has nothing to do with with school. Now, now let let's let's drop that off the radar for that that student athlete that that right. has absolutely nothing to do with school. That's just about the opportunity to play basketball somewhere. Um, but I think uh, you know, you bring up a good point with like George Pappas and. Saw with Terrence Green Jr., who's now over at JMU, yep. trying up at the you know the, the Sun Belt level. I think it's one thing if 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 a guy comes here, and I'm not advocating for people to leave because you know I think Mom is a great place, and we, we need good players, and we need these good players. But I think it's one thing if somebody comes and gives you four years and gives you everything they got, graduates, and yeah. then you know as a grad transfer is going to look somewhere, and and for our coaches to be. I don't know if mature is the right answer. And I, it does, it's not for everybody. And I don't think every player gets this opportunity, nor should every player get this opportunity. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to go out and test the waters and see if there's something that's there for you, and maybe it isn't, and you come back like George Pappas and, and help your team to to a, a MAC title game. Or maybe maybe it is like T. Green, and, and he goes to Malik Martin. Malik Martin. Malik Martin had a great year, right? He had a really good re- year at Drexel. Is that where he went? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had a really good year there, and and so he's still a mom with a lump, got his degree. Still a mom with a lump, got his degree. We'll yep. Always, King's very you know honest about saying like we'll always get, um, you know they'll always be a part of this family and all that other kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. I just think that, that that's an interesting part of it too. Like if you want to dip your toes in and come back because you've given us four years of your life, which is what we've asked you to do. And in uh, that fifth year, you want to try to go and get out, maybe maybe get that high major experience. Every single, I'll tell you one thing, every single one of the kids that plays a sport here at Monmouth University wants to be at a Power 5 school. When they're playing that sport, at some point in time, they get a letter for camp. That's a big one. I remember being in high school, and we had a couple <laughs> kids on our team that would get, like, letters for camps from, like, big-time schools. And we'd be like, oh, they're recruiting him. Yo, Rutgers is recruiting him or Pitt's recruiting him or Penn State's recruiting him. Uh, I hate to break this to you. What they're really recruiting is your $75 to come to camp. <laughs> and 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 there are, I mean, listen, every coach recruits from their camp, right? You come in, they get to see, you know, work out, give what you got, you know, your measurables, how fast you are, your personality, all that kind of stuff. So you definitely need to go to camps in order to get recruited. But not everybody who gets a letter is being recruited unless you get one of the ones that say, elite prospect camp that we send out, then that means you are being recruited. Well, what is this Sunbelt <laughs> that Greg speaks of, Gary? What's this Sunbelt? I don't know. I don't know this league. I, I'm just going to fill in uh, some clues here. I believe he was referring to the fun. Belt. Oh, the fun belt. I'm sorry. Oh, the fun belt. Yes. Listen, I love fun belt. I love Maction. I love fun belt. I love, I love if you can give me football <laughs> every day of the week, my wife hates it. That's not that I'm going to say COVID was good by any stretch. COVID was awful for everything involved. But there was something to be said about some NFL rescheduling. So all of a sudden, it's Wednesday, <laughs> and you got the Cardinals playing the Bengals. Who says no to that? Nobody. Nobody. No one says no. No. And the NFL is going to say yes. I mean, the NFL's goal is to have a game on every day of the season for 17 weeks, and we all we all agree with that. And you know, I think something that we all love to see too, and, and we've been talking about it. Greg, you mentioned it. How 
you mentioned how, you know, a student athlete, you can only expect them to maybe give four years of time energy, you know, being at a school for a long time kind of wears on people. But one of the great benefits of student athletes, like we just mentioned a handful of them, uh, you know, like Malik Martin and all, and all these others that maybe sometimes leave, but they get to experience graduation. I know that's something that's going on, went on on campus this week. Um, so special this time of year for so many of us, Gary and I being Mammoth alums, to, to see what goes on on campus. Our student athletes, you see, and you guys did a great job getting pictures of our athletes on social media that are graduating. And um, whether it's a student athlete, whether it's our Mammoth Digital Network crew, someone that worked in athletics, but the fact that all of these commencements can now take place. Jack Ford was, was the speaker. And Still I mean, am. as gifted as gifted an orator as there is in the area. Um, but I know I, I always feel this way, Gary and, and Greg, I'm sure you do too, even though you didn't go to Monmouth, but you've been here so long, we probably should just throw a degree your way. Yeah. Well, can that, we talk to somebody about an honorary degree? I, you probably should get an honorary comm degree. I think that makes a lot of sense. Oh, I was thinking maybe more something like, uh, I don't know. Nursing? No, I'm just kidding. It's anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, MBA. Can I get an honorary MBA? <laughs> anyway, go no, ahead. Sorry. It, it, no, it's, it's, it's great this time of year to see that, and I know that, you know, if you're on social media, and, and hopefully our fans are, you get to see, you know, some of the athletes that you guys and, and we all work so closely with get to, you know, walk across, you know, the, the field at Kessler and graduate. It, it's a great time of year, and it coincides with a lot of people ending their stay at Mammoth. Baseball, like Gary mentioned, still still competing along with some other student athletes around. But but I know this is a time of year that we all really appreciate because of what it represents. I would like to point out to the audience that uh, that Eddie read my name when I graduated from Monmouth. That's right. Uh, at yep. PNC Arts Center. Was there some kind of like acknowledgement? There's like a picture of you like doing something at that. Uh, there's a picture of me pointing into the camera. Ah, uh, that's what it was. Um, taken by former student worker Brian Detore. Ah, I just saw him. Yeah. He's like in love. I saw him on Instagram today. He, he tell me I love her. It's a great uh, photo of me. Very well, it, it, yeah, it was Gary's picture. It was my picture of Gary in my phone for, for years. It's a great picture. And I'm pretty sure there was a dap involved. Pre yeah, that's what I thought. The name. I thought there was yeah. some kind of dap. Yeah, there was definitely. Yeah. Uh, not that we could have an entire show of people's pictures of other people on their phones, but mine is uh, Gary wearing a knit South Carolina football helmet from a yeah, Cracker Barrel stall sure. after he had just gotten sure. absolutely whipped by Jeff Stapleton in checkers. I had to wait till my food was cold, for the record, because Jeff continued to beat yeah. me in checkers. So in badly. checkers. Whipped him. Uh, Greg, your picture in my phone is you wearing the captain top. Me wearing a what? A captain's oh, hat. the captain's hat! Wow, sorry, Jeremy <laughs> Edwards. Anyway, uh, this I think this is another good segue that we bring up because we were talking about graduation and uh, grades came out this week, and we have some graphics and stuff going on uh, about those. But I continue to be like ridiculously impressed by how well our student athletes do uh, in school. And I'm going to cheat right now because I have the thing up on my screen. I'm gonna have to move this mic over. Um, I can't see Greg's screen for the record. Yeah, sorry. I could put it up on the TV screen, but I'm just way too no, okay. involved here for that. Uh, so, and Eddie, I, you know, I know you're not going to have this. I mean, you might have it in your email, but um, our highest women's spring GPA goes to women's bowling at a 3.75. Highest men's goes to men's tennis at a 3.79. What they, does Chris Light not win at? It's ridiculous. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Uh, the team average, 21 teams. Our team average 
is a cumulative 3.37. That absolutely whips the non-student athlete average at Monmouth University. And I would venture to say at most non-Ivy and non-Patriot League schools. And maybe not Towson. But state. <laughs> Townsend State. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, 3.37. That's ridiculous. That's a team average. Um, I think I think we see it with our, our student-athletes here. And, and I mean, and, you know, you guys know, all of us that have been around, I think, have an appreciation for the level of academic kind of prowess that Mammoth has. You know, the Mammoth that was here when I was a freshman in 2002, and, and this Mammoth is different. The athletes are, no offense to my, my buddies who were student-athletes or anyone before, these are the best student-athletes the school has ever had. They're playing in the toughest league possible, the best competition possible, and they're doing that with grades. I think there is a pride to academics here that makes a difference. I mean, you guys see, you can't be a student athlete to come here and have success if you're not going to be willing to put the time in and hit the books and, and get good grades. And you know what? I give our student athletes, I was not one, um, you know, so I, I can't speak to it. They're, the commitment that they give, their time is unbelievable. And the fact that, Greg, they can put forth those kind of numbers, I hope that people, it's why when we do things like Giving Day, we want these people that donate and these friends to really take pride because look what these student athletes do. They take your support, they take your fandom, and they turn it into wins on the court, wins on the field, and wins in the classroom. Those grades are unbelievable. 2019 of our 21 sports had over have a, over a 3.0 cumulative GPA, and the other two? have a 297 and a 298 so they are like right there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get if if at one point maybe next year or the year after we're talking about all of our sports being over a 30 which is like unbelievable. And it's not like it's easy to get really good grades here, right? The the academic profile of the school since I was 19 years old has skyrocketed. It's, so, it's just gotten to a point where you know, and I feel, Greg, you made this point with, I, it might have been with Chris Light, how, you know, fans and, and all of us around campus have certain expectations for student-athletes. We expect them to win, and we, we do expect them to do well, but we should also celebrate those successes when they do do well because those are staggering numbers for a group of student-athletes that win, that represent Mammoth really, really well. And when we have them on the show, they come and, and they kind of take us behind their scenes with, you know, I'm so excited for next season already and getting, you know, the next batch of stories out of our student-athletes here on Hawk Talk. It's not as remarkable. It really is. And, you know, it's hard to it's hard to be successful in college without playing a sport. And then to do all that with the commitment that they give, I, you, you nailed it right on the head. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Three Kelsey Award winners, 4.0s. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. Three across three different sports as three well, which sports, is super yeah. impressive. Yeah, and if you missed any of our, you know, end of year awards banquet um, or our awards ceremony, it's all over social media, and you can go back and, and watch the the rebroadcast on um, on Facebook. You could see it was uh, as raucous a room we mentioned it a few weeks ago as we've ever seen. Our student athletes, Gary, you mentioned it before how everyone's excited to be together again, excited to go to games. They were excited to get together and celebrate their own success because everything got cheers from people doing well to supply chain supply issues, chain issues. To everything else. <laughs> we did have some supply chain issues, which have since been resolved, by the way. All of our awards have been arrived. You can blame anything you want on supply chain issues. You really can. I'm pretty sure my I pool. Had someone, 
the other day. Well, no, your pool's got it's rolling right now, isn't it? Well, it did, and then it it grinded to a halt. We, we haven't the stuff's been in my backyard, but they and they have a giant hole. Um, but they haven't actually started like laying it out. But it's it's you know it's a doom and gloom day today. So I'm hoping by next week when the weather turns around, we'll be back to rolling. So those guys probably got up, saw the weather, and said, "Who's running today, Belmont?" Yeah, we'll figure something else out. <laughs> the off-field success so impressive. The on-field success that we talked about, and, and we want to get in with Gary just a little bit later on about. Um, you know, there is still obviously, you know, baseball is so unique in college because it goes so late in the year. They still have two max series before their playoffs. But, um, you know, guys, this past weekend out at Ryder, um, dominating performances again by the men's and women's outdoor track and field teams. They just keep winning. They go out and they defend their outdoor titles yet again. There's nothing better than ending a stay in the league with a championship knowing that you leave as champions and then you're off and on to the next one. And just another, I mean, you know, Greg, we had tennis that we talked about a few weeks ago. We had, um, you know, these track and field championships now. It's a really great kind of final kick into that spring season, into that Matt Commissioner's Cup, which awards overall program success. I agree with you, Eddie, and I think I think we've had such a run in track and field success. I, I Started working with track and field when I started working here, I guess nine years ago now. Wow, um, but that was the first program I worked with, and uh, they haven't stopped the success that that they've had since then. Um, I was really excited last week uh, before the championships when uh, when Greg passed along some video from the Penn Relays of our uh, distance medley yeah. team winning. That was really cool for me to watch and and for us to put out there, and it got a lot of interaction. Because I think people will just realize how hard that is to do. Uh, we, we had a student athlete who was able to come and, and beat some really big-time competition. Ohio State was there. Stony Brook, who's a future conference member, was was out front. South Carolina was there. So that was, uh, you know, on the track and field front, that was pretty awesome for me to see. Um, just Mammoth competing at that level with some of those schools and doing it in track and field, which we've done for so long. I mean, I worked alongside Dylan Capwell when he was here, and he was going to NCAA championships and competing really highly in the 800. That hasn't slowed down at all with with the coaching change, with anything else that's gone on in the world. Um, and I don't expect it to change in the CAA either, to be honest with you. No, uh, it's and, been remarkable. One, one of the premier teams I think that will be will be North Carolina A and T. Uh, they have a, a world class track program. Um, so I think everybody kind of going into that was like, oh man, they like, they dominate or whatever. And, and don't ask me why, but I saw some social media posts where, where their, their teams were talking about dominating the big South championships this year. And, and by the way, I think their women's team lost. I think they were second, but I, I, I feel really good about the, about where we're going in the track and field program heading into CA. Like, I think we're going to continue to have depth that's unseen. I mean, we do a really good job with the depth. And our throwers are very good. And then our relay teams are really good. Uh, and then you throw in, you know, uh, our jumps and, and, and pole vaulters, Randy Showmate. Like, those guys are – we have we have a really good track and field program here, which was recently dedicated. No, and, and Gary, so right. That clip that, um, you know, that we saw, I think, is kind of a microcosm of what the program tries to – kind of be you know its image is one that that kind of has a little bit of a chip on its shoulder when it comes to the larger schools you know greg you mentioned earlier how 
student athletes at this level love to compete, you know, against the power five and to have success. And I think that we, we see it go all the way. You trace the roots to Dylan Capwell. You, tr- you trace those roots, you know, back, you know, to student athletes that are still doing it at a really high level. Um, and, you know, now this current group kind of has that, you know, Coach Nelson has them going, you know, they have that kind of pride in going and competing. And I think they're going to welcome that challenge, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully there is a great rivalry that develops with North Carolina A&T in track and field in the CAA with no disrespect to the schools that are already great programs in that league. So that'll be something that'll be really interesting to keep an eye on as all of our teams transition on July 1st into the Colonial Athletic Association um, with the exception of bowling. So it'd be, it's going to be great to see how that happens. And I know we've all kind of had the same point and whether it was, Jeff Stapleton's speech at the athlete award ceremony, or it's us right now, finishing the stay in the MAC as strong as possible and then beginning the stay in the CAA with as much energy and success as, as the athletes can bring is going to be kind of remarkable to watch. And, and I know we've got other special events going on between now and then. I know we've got other things going on, but I know we're all really excited um, about the future of it. And, and I think it's going to be so fun and it's going to be awesome. One of the, the sports in that league that plays, um, you know, really at a very high level is baseball. And like we talked about, Gary's the contact for our baseball program. Without him, I wouldn't know half the stuff that I know when we go and do games, you know, me and Leo Barbalinardo. So, you know, Gary, it's a huge weekend coming up with the baseball program. Leo Leo knows knows the game. game. Okay. That's unfair. Leo would know. Leo actually, okay. Leo and Gary keep me educated everything. Um, But Gary, huge weekend coming up against a Siena team that like mom is battling for playoff positions. Yeah, big weekend uh, gets underway here um, shortly. But interesting because we were talking about it today in, in the office that really baseball and track are the only ones still competing and tracks into their postseason um, events and, and baseball still still rolling in the regular season. Uh, up at Siena, where, as we all know, uh, Coach Tony Rossi is in his – I don't know what season, but it's been a long time. 53rd. 53rd, 53rd oh, season. Um, to 83rd. <laughs> the guy is an institution. Siena Baseball and Tony Rossi. And I he mean, still coaches like, third base. Yeah. It, he gets out there. But, um, six hours, but he does definitely coach <laughs> third base. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tony, Tony Rossi, if you're, a, if you're a classic baseball fan, if you're a fan of throwback baseball, he is the guy for you. Because he will let his pitchers throw between 135 and 150 pitches um, without a second thought. If this guy's still getting kids out, uh, he's going to go back out and keep pitching. Pitch count doesn't exist to Coach Rossi. So, Yeah, he, he's the anti um, uh, who <laughs> in the majors, right? You have a, a no-hitter in the seventh inning. You hit 90 pitches. They pull you're you out. Yep. If, if, yeah, you're at 120 pitches in the bottom of the fifth. And, and you know, Tony Rossi's wondering why you're not you know throwing more breaking balls. Exactly. So if you're watching Monmouth Baseball this weekend, that's something to look out for. But uh, a lot of records. Monmouth Baseball's had a really nice year as far as records go. Um, probably in the first game of the series, they'll break the team strikeout record. Um, James Harmstead's a home run away from tying the program record for home runs and two to break that. Ollie um, Bats. I don't know if he's going to like that. <laughs> no. No, his record has stood for 13 years. Um, Good for James Harmstead. What a year. He's had a huge Hammerstead. He's had a huge year. He's a fan favorite. He is a huge fan favorite. There's a lot of fan favorites on that team. They got they got good personalities mixed with good baseball players. Dixon Black, yep. Hammerstead, 
Sure. Mutts. Yeah. No, we have they have a good group. Um, they have a good group of kids, and they got some really strong pitching. Earnhardt. Led by by Trey Dombrowski. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, winding down here, Monmouth trying to put themselves in a good position for the MAC tournament. Um, and we'll see. Uh, the, they, they were done no favors with their final three weekends of the year being on the road, but, uh, we won't touch that. Um, they got to go on the road and win some games. That's just, you know, that's the name of, of the game. You got to go on the road and win. And that's what they're going to try to do here the next couple of weeks and, uh, roll into our final ever MAC tournament as a member of the league up in, uh, Rockland County, New York, on Memorial Day weekend, a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> yes. The the match tournament the, continues. I was going to say, the first time we've been up at the stadium, correct? Yes. yes. But Mac Baseball Memorial yeah. Day weekend is Oh, a, Memorial Day. I got you, Memorial Day weekend. Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you can count on the, the, the tournament. First of all, it's going to be at a, at a very tiny but well-maintained uh, ballpark somewhere in upstate New York. And it's going to be uh, when Gary drives home, whatever day the tournament concludes, um, he'll hit every traffic imaginable between there and here. I think last year, I, we literally sat in traffic the entire, we left the ballpark, and then, you know, four days later pulled into uh, Exit well, Last year was at Fairfield, so we had to come through the city. Usually we're on it Staten was, Island, or there a couple years we had Staten Island. That was, that was nice. Staten <laughs> Island was really, it was close. No, it was, it was super close. I mean, close. how about the one year yeah. up in up in uh, where were we, Gary? We were in the Hudson Valley. Remember, Short, remember up there? Falls. Yep. But yeah, um, I got a good story about that if we have time because we're running out of time. We got about seven minutes. Uh, when I was a fellow for the MAC, which is an intern, uh, my first year out of college, I lived with a friend of mine down very close to the ocean in his dad's house, which we kind of ruined and he let me know like many years later at his own wedding uh i thought i had memorial day weekend off i was 22 and uh was very excited that we were going to have some people over at a whole weekend full of festivities and my boss at the mac at the time jill skatarzak who is now down at um the sec uh had gotten in a very bad car accident thankfully she was okay um but she was unable to work the mac baseball tournament which maris toasted up at some ballpark up there. And uh, Rich Enzer, the commissioner, called me on like a Friday morning where I was like ready to ready to rock. Went out and got a couple Coca-Colas and, and some drinks and whatnot and told me to pack my things and drive up to Marist in order to um, to host a baseball, help host a baseball tournament, do the media relations portion of it. Uh, I had never rooted for, for pitching duels so much before in my life. Um, I believe, I don't remember who won. Uh, Might have been Fairfield. I, I would have to go back and look. But whoever won, won on a walk-off. And uh, I, like, screamed because I immediately had the story written, sent it out, jumped in my car, and drove back to the Jersey Shore and only really lost half all of Friday and half of Saturday of, of, of Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, we've lived that. We have lived that. Yeah, we lived that the first year we were in the MAC when we hosted it down in Lakewood. Yeah, we had rain delays, rain, all the way fog delays, fog delays, we had fog delay. We had a rain delay. We blew a big lead, and we played yeah, all the way until Sunday. Whole, did that end Sunday or did it end Monday? No, I think it ended I think Sunday. Shows Monday. I remember. I remember picking up Gary to head down to one of the to yeah. the last day. We were running on fumes. Gary needed his blue Gatorade. I needed four Powerade. different yeah. beverages for. I'm sorry, Powerade. Yeah. I needed four <laughs> yeah. different Starbucks beverages to get down there. 
And um, yeah, that's how we're saying the match started. So well, we uh, dominated it, just like we've done everything in this league. Yeah, we dominated the 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 video portion. Did a good job. Oh, it was great. We it also rang great. up and, like and, three grand in concession bills that we got scolded by Jeff Stapleton for. They're going to offer fried Oreos. We're going, <laughs> we're going to get them. them. We had a box going. I think Bob or somebody. Yeah, Brian DeToro. Yeah, yeah. Two Brian DeToro uh, yeah. podcast mentions. You're going to have to tell them that. Maybe we get them to listen. Yeah, is he sponsoring this podcast? What, what did, was there a deal arranged <laughs> that, I, that I didn't know about? No, I don't, I don't know. He's just one of those guys. Just a former communications intern, student worker legend. All right, we got five so, minutes left. Can we get into the nitty-gritty of Gary Kowal now we have him on? Well, I was, I was just going to say, Greg, and, and you and I are always on the same page because I was thinking the same thing. And um, we can't let a guest, whether it's a student athlete, alum, or one of our coworkers, come through without kind of, you know, the, the important question. So, so, Gary, you have to put yourself into, you know, kind of different mode. Now, take yourself out of Mama for a second. And I think we got to be a little – you know, we know so much about Gary, but I think the, the listener needs to learn a little bit more. So, so here's the thing. I know Gary didn't, well, I don't binge a whole lot of shows, but I know what Gary loves are his teams. So Gary, please let the listeners out there know those teams that you live and die for and that you, outside of Mammoth, do not miss any of their games. Oh, yeah. No, I can do that, of course. Um, as I've already broken down to you, Eddie, in a text message with Mark Mormon, um, I've already found a way the Giants are going to get to 10 wins this year. Um, so that's wins. nice. So that'll be ten and seven. That'll be nice. Um, I know. Mets, I know where two of those seven losses are coming from. The, the Giants are going to split with the Eagles. I've already outlined this in the text. Um, the Mets are in first <laughs> place, so that's also been fun. Um, the Islanders fired their coach. I can't understand why. Makes me sick. <laughs> Sweet Lou just firing Barry. It makes no sense to me. I just you know it's been a tough week. Um, those are the three teams. Oh, also of course. Um, Sunderland, that's my favorite soccer yep. club. Uh, Sunderland AFC. That shout out Hugh McDonald. That is clear. I'm a huge fan uh, of Sunderland. Are they in Premier course. League or are they in the the um, Bush series? No, no, they're in. Uh, they're moving up. They're about to get promoted. We're having a nice little season, but we can't keep our coaches. We keep firing coaches, sacking. We keep sacking. I believe the managers it's sacking. It's called. We, can't, we keep having caretakers, and we can't figure out what's going caretakers. on. And, but we're going to be good. We're, it's going to be fine. Okay, who has less job security than a European soccer coach? Sometimes I feel like NBA and NHL coaches. Well, you but, but you'll get another job. It's just the most recycled leagues of all time. Right. Do they do that in European soccer? Uh, no, we keep getting all these kind of other guys I've never heard of. Mm. As a large Sunderland fan, you would think I would have heard of these guys. However, I have not. <laughs> it's not about who's <laughs> managing the club. It's about who's on the field. And Tiger Woods, too. I love Tiger Woods. Loves Tiger Woods. Loves him. So those are my teams. And the Hawks, of course. And, of course, the Hawks. Gary, um, we ask this question to basketball players all the time. You've been here for some awesome basketball wins. I documented many of them via my television and Twitter. (laughs) By the way, follow Gary on Twitter. What's your Twitter? Gary Gary J. J. Kowal. Gary J. Kowal on Twitter. At Gary J. Cole. Anyway, what is what do you think is the most special of those basketball wins for you? That's really tough. Um, UCLA was my first game. Um, at which point in overtime, in a tie game, King turned around to me and looked me straight in the face, and I was terrified because I didn't know if I'd done something wrong or if I had messed up the scorebook or if I was just not even supposed to be sitting there. Uh, and he turned around and smiled and said, uh, are you having fun yet? 
And I looked around and we were tied in Pauley Pavilion in overtime. So that was really cool. Um, that one will always have a special place for me. There's been some non high major wins that I really look back on with some fondness. Um, Justin's game winner at Ryder was was phenomenal. Great, um, great. That was a really game. fun win for us. Well, I hope we continue to schedule them. I know people have I asked agree. Coach Rice, and I agree. he kind of is dodgy on it and gives a long answer about beating your friends or whatever. But um, that's a good rivalry. A lot, lot of good nature hate going on. You know, <laughs> especially when you go to that to their gym. I guess you call it. Um, it's tight. It's loud. They allow their students to do whatever they want. Um, but it's fun when you beat them there. It's, it's a good rivalry. Like, I, I hope that keeps going. Good, yeah. um, so those are the one that really stands out to me that's kind of unconventional that I don't think anybody else will ever say. But just being around the team every day and being around the coaching staff and how tough of a start 2018 was when we were 0-12. The win at Penn was, like, one of the most raucous locker rooms I've seen. Better than a lot of the high major wins. Um, just because... We knew we were better. They knew they knew they were better than 0-12, and, and they lost a lot of tight games. We were about to start conference play. It was our last non-league game. It was New Year's Eve afternoon. Ray Soundave hit a buzzer beater at the end of regulation to tie it, and then we won on another Soundave shot late in overtime and got a big stop, and that was one of the best wins just from like a, all right, we can head into New Year's. We can head into league play with a little bit of weight off our shoulders. We're not going to go in 0-13. So that was kind of like an underrated one that I don't think a lot of people think about, but that was – one that I always remember as as a really really nice win, and Penn was pretty good. That that's amazing because I think with all the the games that have gone on and everything, I mean you didn't even bring up any of those magical wins we had over in Shanghai. No, those <laughs> were fun. Those we won a game in front of Yao Ming. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's fun. That was cool. Um, great wall, all that. No, but but then you bring up like Ryder and, and Penn, and I think that's awesome. I think that's like. Yeah, I think nine out of ten people would would, but it, it's more than just who your opponent, right? It's the atmosphere. It's you know what you mentioned about pen, uh, about that Penn game when we were zero and twelve, and you knew the team was better than zero and twelve, and that sparked a crazy run. Yeah, no, and they went they went to the final. We went to the finals that year. Um, so those are the. I mean, obviously Notre Dame and and USC and Georgetown beating Rutgers was special for me just because of how I feel about that institution. But, um, then they won't schedule us again. Correct. And just about anything it seems like. But uh, but yeah, those are the ones that uh, those are the ones that were pretty pretty cool for me. So I got one more for Gary, and I think because he covers baseball, and I think Greg, it ties in a few different things that we like to talk about. So Gary, let's say you're penciled into the number three spot, the batting order, Ooh. and your first at bat. What is Gary Kowal's batting song? Oh, Man. here we go. Wow, this is really tough. I don't. I don't think I've ever thought about it. As much as this is like a common question, I don't know if I've ever thought about it. Um, Eddie, I probably have to shout out Steve Bazzaz's favorite song of all time, and Chuck Marvel's wow. as well. Um, uh, yeah, Alesso and Ryan Tedder. Um, lose my mind. Would we'll probably have to be it, <laughs> just for uh, sheer um, throwback from some of the best years of my life. That's a great answer. That's the only answer, and I'm I'm happy you went there. Shout out Chuck Marvel and Steve Bazzaz. Sure, sure, the Zazzer. I know Steve listens to that song um, on airplanes. <laughs> what the entire time? But no, but just yeah, on, yeah. on on repeat. He 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 does that, and I have to uh, 
uh, calm him enough to make sure that we're good to go. He does both of those things. I told him what he needs to do is just bring the racing form. It'll make time fly. But no, Gary's right. He listened to that song on repeat for three hours. Sure. What a maniac. He's our maniac, though. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, you know, Gary, we appreciate, you know, I know this time of year, like you said, you're getting ready for a baseball series. I know we got a ton going on. Um, little little podcast crossover. You know, all these networks do crossover events with yeah. their shows. We're excited that we could do a little crossover here and get you to join, you know, Greg and I, um, you know, and, and look forward to obviously the rest of this year and starting next year with, you know, the great CAA news and everything going on. So we appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Eddie, we got to drop in a little like, and uh, we, we I, you never forget. I forget all the time. Tell the folks how oh. they can how they can keep enjoying this wonderful podcast. So the first thing you have to do, you have to subscribe on wherever you get podcasts. So for me, for example, I'm an Apple Podcast guy. That's where I get my podcasts. Hawk Talk is there, readily available. Also Spotify, Podbean, everywhere else. You have to subscribe. You have to listen, and then we please want you to rate and review. So subscribe, listen, rate, and review to Hawk Talk. And you know what? Go ahead and share it as well on your social media. Let everyone know. Yeah, go ahead and share it. Let everyone know. Let let people know you're listening to it. Man, this is the best. Greg, great job as always, man. Yeah, that was a good talk up. Here we go. Have a great weekend. This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.